Hello and welcome to the Hearts of You with me, Gordon Senior. Joining me this week is Jamie and Calvin as we discuss defeat at Ibrox and our 1-1 draw with Livingston. We touch a little bit on the women's team and the B team and a host of other topics rifle through Scottish football at the moment. Welcome to the show. Um, it's once again me, Gordon Senior, here in the uh, the hot seat. And it's a new panel. Again, uh, a bit of an, an opposite panel from last week. It's uh, Calvin and Jamie returns. The man, the myth, the legend. The man that was given a little bit of cheek to my uh, co-presenter last time he was on. None of that this evening, I hope. Uh, but anyway, how are you, Jamie? Are you okay? Have you have you recovered? Yeah, all good. Uh, ready to talk about two two very encouraging performances, I think, on the whole. Well, how, how do you know it's two encouraging performances? Because obviously, you never seen one of them. Well, I, yeah, I was. Uh, I watched the game back though. Obviously, it was on BBC Albatch on Saturday night. Uh, I was covering the. The B team on Saturday, so I actually did manage to see three points for for the JITs on Saturday. So no, all good. Well, I was I was actually going to ask you that before we kind of started. Um, obviously, you cover a lot of the B team and and obviously the women's team as well. Um, in terms of the B team, I mean the results have been quite poor, but I understand the performances have been quite good, and obviously a victory of the weekend. Yeah, it's back to back wins for them for um the, the the first time this season, I believe. So they've they've not won many games, you're right. Um but I actually wrote a feature for the the program um for that would have been the Celtic program now. Um about how they've kind of the, the results haven't really reflected the performances. And if you were to look at the the league table, you would think that this a lot of our young players are struggling, um struggling to compete in the in the lowland league. But Frankly, it's it's not really not really the case. Um, firstly, a lot of the the decent guys, if you like, are actually making it into the the first team squad mainly because we've got so many injuries. But uh, I look back to the start of the season and we had guys like Lewis Nielsen were playing for the B team. Um, now, obviously, that's not the case mainly because we've had so many injuries. But um, there's a a couple of good a good a good bunch of players in there definitely. Um, there's a few to keep an eye on. Um, I think Aiden Denham is is one in centre mid that I would I would keep on side. The one I really like the look of in the the front three, obviously Bobby McClucky is is the obvious option. Um, he was obviously promoted to the the subs bench following Andy Halliday's injury in the warm up at the weekend. But the one I really like is is Murray Thomas. Um, he's a winger. He's got a really really good right foot on him. Um, and now we've got Snodgrass. Obviously, he's I feel our set pieces are much better for the B team. He is providing some excellent set pieces. He always seems to hit the target with a free kick, but he's taking corners and both goals at the weekend against Gretna were from really wicked deliveries in swinging corners from the, the left-hand side with his right foot and the, the big centre half, who we don't have much height in this B team. And um, that's been the kind of the Achilles heels, probably been defending set pieces um, naturally against these kind of more mainly more physical teams. Um, but we managed to score from two corners at the weekend, which was was very pleasing. And, and Thomas was the... the um, provider for, for both of those corners. So he's one to to keep on side as well. The centre half's pairing, I know they've shipped a lot of goals, but Luke Raffi and Aaron Darge are two very solid centre backs as well. So there's a lot of guys in that B team that um trust me are are very young. Um but this is hopefully bridging a gap between under 18s football and the 
kind of jump into the first team, which is obviously a very big gap. So the, the whole point of the B team in this Lowland League is to try and kind of bridge the gap between under-18s and, and first-team football. So you'll just need to take my word for it that the, the results um, don't quite match the match the performances. But back-to-back wins, so hopefully they can keep it going. Well, sounds very encouraging anyway. I mean, do you think there, there could potentially be a breakout star into the first team before the end of the season? Um, I don't know, really. It's hard to say. I mean, you're looking at kind of the guys that are already in the first team squad. I think Finlay Pollock is probably the main one. Connor Smith was not playing that much for the B team. He was kind of already in and around the first team. Um, if you're saying to me, is there somebody that's playing for the B team right now that's going to get into the first team before the end of the season? I would have to say no. I think that's probably going to be too soon. But I think maybe next season I would like to see someone like Denham um, in that centre mid position get get the chance. Very energetic. He actually reminded me a bit of Naismith, to be honest. At the weekend there, he was buying fouls in front of the Gretna bench and then was giving it to them, you know, afterwards getting straight back up. And and because obviously they were shouting that it was never a foul, he was straight back up and laughing at them. And it, it kind of reminded me of Naismith against uh, Celtic at Tynecastle with the, the Jack Hendry foul. So I think those are good good attributes to have. So he's he's one to keep an eye on for me. Good. Well, we look forward to uh, seeing some of these guys come through, hopefully in the future anyway. It's certainly something to cobble off the press on with. Um, a little bit on the women's team. Um, I mean, we don't really talk about the women's team on, on this uh, kind of show, but they are still above Hibs, I think, um, which obviously must have must have been the, the ambition when they, they actually started the um, the women's team. Um, it's something that... that I mean, Hibs have basically been the, and now I think like Glasgow City and all that are, are kind of on the, on the scene now. Celtic and Rangers have got their act together a little bit, but Hibs notoriously, certainly when you thought of women's football, you thought of Hibs. Um, that must be incredibly encouraging that so early in the project of, of the women's team that they are above Hibs. Yeah, you've you've said a couple of um, a couple of good points there. So if you look back a decade ago now, you were looking at Hibs, Spartans, and Glasgow City were always kind of the main three that were very, very solid and very consistent with um, with their women's team. Always gave them very good um, resources and all that. Now, as you see, Rangers and Celtic have started to buy into it as well. And obviously Hearts as well. I think from Hearts' point of view, we've had our excuses in the past. Obviously, we didn't have that much money anyway, so we probably didn't have that much. Um, we had more stuff on our plate, I think, what with administration and all that when Ann Budge first came in. Now... Obviously, it's very different at the club, so we've managed to put some money aside for the women's team. And last season was not great, um, but I think it was totally fair. You're right to mention that it was uh, a project. And last season, Eva was kind of wanting to do this and that and probably had some players that didn't really fit the fit the bill to do um, to do that. So now they've got some, some new players in and they are six points clear in uh, fourth at the moment, which is... Fantastic because the front, uh, the front three, the top three in women's football, Glasgow City Rangers and Celtic are miles better than the rest. Um, that is, that's fact. Hearts have played Rangers and Glasgow City already this season. They've lost two 0 both times. Competed to be fair in both games. Um, but ultimately, uh, ultimately beaten, and um, that will be the top three this season. So if Hearts can get fourth place. This season, that would be a, a massive achievement. I, I think top six was the aim before the season, but uh, now that they're they're in fourth, I think they would like to stay there if they've got Celtic away at the weekend. And then, obviously, the derby is the following Sunday down at Easter Road. Um, tickets are free, so I would encourage everybody to to go and 
go and support the girls because going down to Easter Road is not going to be not going to be easy for them. But uh, I was kind of trying to say to them the other day that if you could go and beat Hibs down at Easter Road or finish above them this season, you will be forever remembered at this club. Um, women's football is on the rise, obviously. So if these girls were to kind of be the first Hearts team to to finish above Hibs in a in a domestic season, that would certainly be one uh, that would be go down in the the memories of this uh, this football club. Well, all the best to the girls uh, for that one. I'm sure we'll be rooting for them. Uh, Calvin, um, you, of course, did see um, both games. Um, we'll obviously, start off um, about a wee trip through to Ibrox on Wednesday there. You got to say it in one piece. Full credit to you as well. Um, if only the game lived up to the um, to the actual drive-through. Yeah, I mean, that was a, it was a really good wee parking spot we found for Ibrox, avoided the, the nonsense of the away car park, the most poorly designed car park I think I've ever seen. Um, but, yeah, it didn't, it's frustrating. It's probably one of the most frustrated I've ever felt coming away from Ibrox because they, I, feel, I felt they were there for the taking. There was, they, they weren't fully caught, they were a team completely devoid of any confidence. You didn't get the usual onslaught in the opening 20 minutes, half an hour to hold on. I think that almost rattled us a wee bit as well. I think you go through Ibrox with a game plan of, you know, soak up the pressure for the first half hour. Rangers are going to come flying out of you, just don't concede. And when Rangers don't come flying out of you, it kind of just changes the way Hearts were actually trying to play it a bit. Um, thought we defended brilliantly when we needed to. Um, but at the end of the day, I just, I don't really believe we could get anything from it, which is a, disappointing because that is probably the best chance we're going to get in a long time to go to Ibrox and win because they'll, whenever they go through a slump like this, they'll sack the manager and go and spend 10 million quid in January to not go through a slump like this again for another four or five years. And there's only one or two teams get to play them a season when they do, when they have their wee slump. This season it was us and we didn't really take advantage of it. But in saying that, I thought we limited Rangers really well. Thank God and only really made one or two proper saves. We had a big chance with Halliday. Um, I think if that goes in, the whole game's completely different. I think the, the way the atmosphere was at Ibrox the other night, they were on their back from, from minute one. I think I spoke to Jamie at half-time. We're saying every single time Rangers even play a sideways pass, even if they make the pass, they were the fans were going for them. So I feel if we could have got a goal, the place would have went, would have been completely toxic. And I would have went on to win the game. I think it was I think it was the way that game was. I think whoever scores first wins the game. And unfortunately for us, Halliday. And to be fair to Halliday, I think McGregor gets a really, really crucial touch there before it comes to him. Halliday set himself up to just swing right through it. McGregor gets a fingertip to it to just take it slightly out of his path. And but overall, I felt we could have we could have done a lot better. I, I think we were limited. I think one of these ones, if Humphreys was fit. I think we'd had a better chance. I don't think Shanklin's really suited to a game like that. I think he, he has to drop too deep. He's not got the pace to run him behind. So I agreed with what Nielsen done where he put Janelle up top to try and exploit any sort of long balls in behind. Janelle had quite a good chance in the first 20 minutes or so. Didn't really connect with it. Um, but I feel if we had another sort of striker, like somebody that can go up and battle with their centre-half, somebody that comfies, I think we would have actually had a far better chance. Unfortunately, he's hurt and there is no other options. So We've said many times we're woefully short in two key areas of the park, and up front is one of them. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's a, just a frustrating night all in, really. It's just it's, just feels an opportunity missed. It's, it's hard to come away from Ibrox when you're, you've only been beaten one 0 when quite often we get absolutely gobbed. But, but it wasn't like we're holding on at one 0 It wasn't like we're like dead, and you know, 
Rangers could have took six or seven off us and we were lucky to get away with just a one nil. That that game could have went either way. If we'd but the way they were playing, if that was any other team and we'd played as badly away from home as that, I think the fans would be we'd be having a bit of a meltdown because it's Rangers and because it's Ibrox. It's given the club a bit of a leeway for what was what was a pretty poor performance. I mean, I thought the defence was great, um, but the rest of the team was nobody was quite at it. Yeah, absolutely. It seemed like it was quite a compact performance, uh, quite an organised performance, but one that was lacking quite a lot of quality from our point of view, Jamie. Um, I mean, Calvin obviously mentions the atmosphere there as well. I mean, I think you heard the reaction of the Rangers fans at full time. I mean, it wasn't even a cheer. It was almost a yay and then got off their seats and went away. I mean, it was almost like they were disappointed to win. Hearts will probably never have a better chance of going to Ibrox and getting a result. Um, yeah, I mean, that's obviously up for debate. Um, but I think we, you're right. Most teams, when they go to Ibrox or Parkhead, they'll set up to be compact for an hour, try and stay in the game, and then have a go for the last half an hour. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's what Hearts did. Um, obviously, Aberdeen went there 10 days before we did, went two up front and got hammered 4-1 going on 7 or 8, going by what the radio were saying that day. Um, so, you know, we looked at that and clearly felt we had to be a bit more compact. Looking at Kai Rose coming back into uh, back into the team, he was excellent that night. Um, real, real, really solid, um, headed everything. And I, I thought we were pretty comfortable, um, to be honest, even when the goal went in. I thought Rangers' kind of more dominant spell was after we kind of made our subs when we were a goal down and, and kind of had to try and go for it a bit. I thought that was when they got most of their chances, really, when Morelos came on. He... Missed a couple of um, missed a couple of efforts by a long distance. To be honest, I thought he looked well off it. Um, but ultimately, it's a it's a defeat at the end of the day. So yeah, it's obviously disappointing. Um, I thought when Henderson came on, we were maybe going to get something out of the game. He had a, a half chance. Obviously, it just wasn't just wouldn't sit for him. Didn't come down for him. I didn't think. Um, I thought he was quite unlucky when he came on. I was a bit surprised actually to see a lot of the stick that he got after the game. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure what you guys think about that, but um, yeah, listen, it, 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 as Calvin says, it highlights how short we are up front. I was actually the one that said after the game that I thought Humphreys would have would have done a job for us that night, just somebody to go up against two young Rangers centre-halves and see if you could bully them. Um, and obviously we had Ginelli up front who was trying to run in behind and that, that ball maybe after 10, 15 minutes or something in the game where McGregor and him were just going for that 50-50. Um, there was obviously that chance against Motherwell where he seemed to pull out against the goalkeeper. I don't know if that was in his mind as well, but I, I go. I guess you've got to say it was good goalkeeping by by McGregor. He just got there, got there first. Because if Janelli gets a toe on that and knocks that away from him, that's that's a red card if he if he goes down there. So fine margins and obviously the the holiday chances that is the big one for us in the second half. But disappointing on the whole. But uh, a rare ninety minute outing for us, I suppose. Yeah, I'll come back to um to the manager's substitutions in a minute. But um, do you think that obviously we mentioned you mentioned Aberdeen going there, and then you mentioned Livingston as well, and the kind of styles of play that these two sides clearly different, and there's obviously different expectations on on both clubs. Do you think when it comes to Hearts though, particularly against the old firm, there seems to be some sort of an inferior complex that they just they don't believe that they can go there and get a result. I was looking at, at our record now since we beat Celtic on the opening day of last season there. We've now played the old firm. 
13 times since then. We've won zero, drew once, and lost 12. And obviously that draw was at Ibrox. It was the last kick of the ball equaliser. When you look at teams like, and I mean, even Rangers' last two games there, I know they're away from home and it's always a little bit different, but this is still the same Rangers team that came to Tynecastle and, and scalped us 4-0 without us even laying a glove on them. They've went to St. Johnston last week there. They've lost 2-1. They've then went to St. Mirren Park uh, at the weekend there and drew 1-1. And it's a game I thought they were very lucky to get anything out of. If it wasn't for that penalty getting overturned, they, they again, that's two defeats sandwiched in between a traditional win against Hearts. Do you think there is some sort of problem there? Do you think it's it's a club problem? I mean, particularly when um, you see maybe the fans at full time there, it was almost like some of them were celebrating a 1-0 defeat, not getting turfed. Um, do, do you think it's a mentality right through the club or do you think that comes down to the manager and this group of players? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go with you, Calvin. Um, I don't. See, at home, I don't think so. I think the problem is that the 4-0 game against Rangers at home caught us at the worst possible time. We were so so devoid of any confidence. Um, we were struggling to put a team together. Because what I would say is on, on that, that stat you've said is, is damning, right? Because I'd, I'd usually expect every season us to get at least one or two results at home against the Old Firm. Through in Glasgow, it's always just a sort of free hit. You, you hope you get something, but we've all been there enough times to know it's very, very, very rare. Um. The games have been close recently, so I don't think it's an inferiority complex. I think it's, by and large, we're just not as good as them. And I, I know what you're saying about Rangers at the moment, and that, that's why I'm frustrated with Wednesday night, because like, it's kind of reminds me, see, just before COVID hit, Rangers went on a run like this, and I kind of feel the season that ended, Gerard probably got punted there and then, and they got beat off Hamilton Ackies at home, they got beat off somebody else terribly, and we sort of caught Rangers in a run like that. Um, I think... One of the one of the sort of criticisms that Hearts fans tend to level at the team is to, we don't go through to Glasgow and have a go. I think, as Jamie said, Aberdeen showed that that's not necessarily the way to go. But this Rangers team are really shit at breaking teams down at the moment. Um, but I think if you give them enough space, they've got you know Croatian internationals up front for them. They will they will pull you apart. Levy went there, and again, that's not a way I would want us to play football. I think we're better than that. But then it worked for a living. They went, what did they go? I brought some, I'm sure it was some ridiculous number of crosses. They just gave up the wings and said, it's fine, you're not going to win a, you won't win a header in the box. You can have, it's your one will know, or somebody will know the, the number of crosses that Rangers actually got in against living, didn't they win a single one of them? The, we were kind of in between that. It's inferiority. Like, they are better than us. That's the thing. Like, this sort of expectation of going through to Glasgow and winning, it's more the home games for me that, that really stick out. I actually think a performance in Glasgow, the 5-0 last season aside, have actually been pretty decent compared to what we usually get served up. Um, that's the only one we've left early, I think, and out of them all, um, which normally is, we normally leave the, the Glasgow grounds early most times. It's the home performances that have really bothered me in particular against them recently. But, I think. Well, would you have called that there? A decent performance. I know defensively. No, it's it not. No, it's not a decent fun. performance because of how poor Rangers were. Um, I think if it was a normal Rangers side and you played like that, and you know it could have went either way, it was a decent performance. It wasn't a decent performance. I just think it, Nielsen sort of caught in two minds of you know we go like Rangers are obviously on their arse at the moment. Right, Van Bronckhorst. If he's not away by the end of the week, I'll be stunned. But Aberdeen went there two weeks ago. And when Rangers are the Rangers are on their arse, we've got a chance here, and they got absolutely scalped. And given 
the players we still have out. I kind of get why Nielsen didn't do that. Um, I think if it was at Tynecastle, I'd have been furious with that sort of performance. Um, I'm pissed off with the 4 0 still. Um, even it seemed last season, though, I think Rangers came at Tynecastle three times in that run you're talking about, and we've no laid a finger on them. We even scored against them. And oh, we did, sorry, we got a consolation last season and the, the one where they played the kids and we played the full. full oh, I mean, yeah, Peter, Peter Hallam put us 1 0 up. That was a game I was going to mention as well because obviously you spoke about that the games were were pretty competitive and I mean that was probably the most embarrassing out of the lot of them yeah that uh, the Rangers at home and it's weird because when we play Celtic at home under under Nielsen he tends to have a right go of it we're never, we're never out of the game like, we won the first game last season against them um, the one at home in the middle of last season when Sims made his debut we were never out of that game I thought I genuinely thought we were going to get something out of it um, this season as well 4-3 same again Whereas with Rangers, they just seems to just absolutely shit the bed every time we play them at Tynecastle at the moment. Like, first game against them last season, we're 2 0 down in say 10 minutes, but we barely touched the ball. They played the kids and fucking Lana Wolf and Broxy Bear up front. We still got beat. And the 1 0 in this season, I was I was going to flight to Tenerife and I was like, oh, it's going to be shit. I'm not going to know the score, but we're 2 0 down before we even got on the plane. So I just. I don't know what I don't know. Is it an inferior complex? Just going back to the original question, I'm just rambling now, but I, I, I think it almost is when it comes to Rangers. I, I don't know why it's so difficult. Celtic are the better team. This is what I don't understand. Celtic are far and away better than Rangers right now. It's more of a derby yeah. feel that game, though, isn't it? It doesn't. It, it does, but you know what I mean. It's, it's still the old farm at Tynecastle. Like it used oh, to. I, I get that. I get that. But there is more of a needle. Yeah, there's show. more. There's more of an edge to it against Celtic. I get that, but. I don't know if it's just maybe because the way Celtic play, they give you like Celtic give you far more chances than Rangers do. Like, mm. and if you're a bit slightly better, like, I think because we're one of the better sides in the league, we can exploit that a bit better, and then you end up with. I mean, Celtic have still won the majority of these games; they've just been close. But well, it's key. It's key what you say there, there, and and that's kind of what where my gripe lies. You've just said it. We're one of the better teams in the league, mm. and yet. There is three Rangers games in a row. They've dropped. Um, well, I mean, in terms of nine points, they've got what four, and and three of them came against us. They've went to St Johnston. They've lost. I know they're away games, but St Mirren and St Johnston. I mean, St Johnston have scored two goals. I'm, you're not trying to tell me that St Johnston have a better attack than Hearts. No. And I mean, apart from the Halliday chance, yeah, you know, it's a decent enough save. Um, from McGregor, he's the only one in the box. You know what I mean? We didn't, I mean, have, we didn't, we didn't have a shot on target. That's, that's the thing. Like, we went to Ibrox the other night against a wounded Rangers side and didn't actually muster up a shot on target. I know missing open goal is a bigger chance than you know just hitting a random shot at McGregor, but it's poor. Like, there's no getting away from it. It's poor. I just, yeah, the celebrating at the end thing, I get it's like, you know, we're trying to keep this atmosphere, positive atmosphere going. I, I do like what the young guys are trying to do with that, but yeah, it just be beating Ibrox. It just, Fucking chill out and go home. <laughs> if, well, as soon as they let us go home, that was, of course. Yeah. Um, Jamie, you talked about um, Henderson coming on there. That's kind of when I turned to Sarah and says the game's over because, let's be honest with you, when you're bringing you and Henderson on um, at Ibrox with 15 minutes to go to try and get an equaliser, I think that's when you really need to have a wee look at your recruitment policy um, in the summer in particular. Uh, I know Boyce and Humphreys are out, but surely when that happens, we should be looking at uh, more quality coming on than him. 
um, done absolutely nothing and proved why he's not good enough to play for the club. I know we sometimes joke about these sort of things, but just how concerning is that? Um, and I mean, the thing is, I thought Ginelli was actually doing all right. I thought if there was anybody that was going to score, it would have been him. And he's took him off with 15 minutes ago. And then obviously he proved at the weekend that if you keep him on the park, he can pull something out of nothing. Um, were you quite concerned by that? Or do you think it was a case of the manager saying, I look, you know, I'll just throw him on. Let's see what happens. I don't actually believe I'm going to get anything out of this game. It probably was just a, a kind of um, a hit and hope substitution, if you like. Um, Ginelli's pace did kind of cause problems in behind, I thought, at times for Rangers. That like, that channel ball was always on. It was a question of time and runs and us actually getting the ball over the top of that Rangers back line. Um, I, I guess he just said to try and do the same with Henderson coming on. Um told him to go and go and do what Janelli did. I don't know if it's to kind of in terms of fitness, um, if, he, if he thought he was tired, but then as you say, he managed the, the 90 at the weekend there. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what the, the reason behind that specific substitution was, but um, you know, as I say, I think we, we could have done with Humphreys that, uh, that night and you say Boyce and Humphreys are out. Boyce was uh, out before, the kind of like the window shut, obviously. So we had the, that kind of chance to to kind of replace um replace him if we wanted to. I know it's very difficult, obviously, to to kind of go and replace a player like Liam Boy. Sometimes probably the sort of player that you don't appreciate what he brings until you don't have him. I know he was kind of starting to frustrate a lot of people, me included, especially with his kind of final product, that kind of extra pass or the finish maybe wasn't there. But I think everything just seemed to go through Boyce, and for a while. The first few games after his injury, we were really struggling. You could really see there was a Liam Boyce kind of shaped hole um, missing in our in our team. But to be fair to Humphreys, I think he's come in and he's actually done really well. I know Wigan obviously have their problems at the minute, so I don't know if there's a, a potential opportunity for us to go and see if we could uh, take him in the summer. Um, because, you know, if, if the alternative is, is Henderson, as you say, Gordon, then maybe you would prefer someone like... Um, Someone like Humphreys Henderson's obviously going to be out of contract in the summer as well. It'll be interesting to see if he if he gets a new deal or not. But um, yeah, if Humphreys is, There's is absolutely no chance in hell, you and Henderson is getting a new contract. Come on! Well, did we not say this last year? Then he, he oh, managed to... I, I, again. I don't even know why that. Probably because his goal ratio at Alawa, they maybe thought somehow, you know, it was a Stevie May type thing goes away and scores a load of goals at Alawa, comes back, becomes a hero. It's never ever going to happen in a million years. And you see, he was so far out of his depth in that game. And I just can't understand the, the, the substitutions there. Nielsen as well. I mean, we'll talk about Livingston soon as well. Um, and I don't, want to, I don't want to make this a Nielsen bashing show, even though I could quite easily do that. Um, the Connor Smith thing as well on, on Saturday. He brought Connor Smith on there, 1-0 down. Yes, the red card happened. And of course, you're going to have to maybe change something. But to then take him off again for another defender, to, to do what? To defend your 1-0 defeat? We got a draw in the end, but for me, that wasn't the right thing to do. I thought it was a, I thought it was a very poor bit of management. And you do have to question the manager's substitution sometimes. And that there on Wednesday, bringing on Henderson for Ginelli, when you're chasing 1-0, it's different, you know, if you're if the game's 1-1 or something, and, and you're maybe trying to see out a draw, and you think, right, Ginelli's run his race, I'll get Henderson in there try and maybe freshen up a little bit. But he's not the man that's going to come on and get you a goal, is he? Let's be perfectly honest. Silence is he, he, he almost Well, he almost did. I thought 
Almost. A, Come on. Uh, exactly. And, and by the way, he should be he scoring. Players players Barry Mackay. He shouldn't be scoring that. It was like a half volley no. from like the corner. Bring it down. He, he honestly had more than enough time to bring the ball down and, and get that on target. It was a very tough chance. There was one no. that beat a couple of players and found Barry Mackay, continued his run, made a really good run into the box. I thought Mackay was just had to slip him in, but he overhit the pass. And, you know, maybe Henderson might have scored that. We'll never know. Absolutely no danger. No danger. We'll never know. We'll never no, know. We, we, we do know. We do know. I mean, couldn't even keep the ball in in the last minute as well. We could put it for throwing. That was full time. Um, on the handball, um, now I didn't think it was at the time. Still not overly convinced, but um, should Harps have had a penalty? Um, I think it was a Kai Rose's header hit off, um, I don't know, was it King's arm or something? Um, I think maybe. Yeah. Um, I hit his head at the time. Um, I thought it smacked him straight in the face at the time, and that's why I'm not convinced about the still because it sort of seemed it could easily it's sort of in that bit between his arm and his head, and I wasn't sure if it had just hit his head and come out, and I don't know if it hit his head then his hand, I don't know, but uh, nah, not for me. Although we are seeing some absolutely ridiculous handballs right now, so I don't know, you win some, you lose then, some. I guess this is the argument from a lot of people, isn't it? I mean, when you see some of the penalties that are getting given at the moment. Um, and then you're not getting that. I mean, you're you're only really asking for consistency. I didn't think it was a penalty. I, I mean, if if they'd given that against Hart, Hearts, it would be extremely harsh. Um, so not not for me. It's not often you say that penalty against Rangers. But um, what about you, Calvin? Did, any shouts of a penalty for you? No, nah, it's never a penalty. I th- I think the pro- the problem is what you two just said though is that some of the penalties that are currently getting given through VAR are are ridiculous. That's the only way that gets given. But I think it's one of these ones that it gets given we're talking about for, for months ago, and that was never a penalty. I, it's right at him. I mean, Rose is about a yard away from him. It's going to hit his face anyway. His arm's not really in a natural position. He's just jumping for the ball. It's not deliberate. His arm's not outstretched. He's not made himself any bigger. He's, like I say, the ball's going to smack him square in the face. Even if it even does hit his arm, because from the footage, it's really hard to tell. I think the point of VAR about going in fluff on a total tangent is to correct clear and obvious refereeing errors. That's not a clear and obvious error. Right? If the ref gives a penalty for it, I don't think VR can overturn it, but I think it would be incredibly harsh. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, one final thing on, on our trip to Ibrox there, and it was just, I, I don't know if you've noticed this a few times, I don't know if it, this is maybe a tactical thing um, when it comes to the managers, is the amount of times we tend to overplay in our own half. I thought I, I don't know if Hearts are trying to be cute at times, but they almost it almost feels to me like they're trying three or four passes when one or two was necessary. I think Cochrane is quite bad for overplaying as well. Do, do you think that's? Do you think it's a tactical thing, or do you just think they're maybe a little bit nervous on the ball? They want to be a little bit more assured. They're looking for the easy pass. I th- I think they're trying to draw Rangers out. I think that was what it was. And Rangers weren't having it. They they were not falling for that at all. I think the point was to try and draw Rangers further up the field than just hoof the long ball over to Ginelli and get him behind. But Rangers were too switched on for it. And what that ended up resulting in was, I think the intention is, you know, one or two passes, Rangers will come charging up the field, then you get rid of it. And when Rangers don't come charging up the field, they didn't know what to do. And that's when they started overplaying it and then start playing ourselves in the bother. I think they're trying to break a press that's not coming. I think that's, that's the large part. They were trying it on Saturday as well. And going, Livy, don't press anybody. Like, why would you possibly try this against Livy? You're better just playing through them or trying to play through them. 
But uh, do, yeah, do, think... you not think, do you not think 10, 15 minutes into the game, though, you realise that that's never going to be, that's never actually going to happen, that that's when you suddenly change your approach? But surely, as a manager, you should have a plan B, C, and D. Well, I'm noticing this more and more. It's not just a hearts thing, right? I'm noticing more and more with, with managers where they sort of take this whole thing of, I mean, it was like Fergie said it years ago, like, we're Man United, this is the way we play, right? And managers seem to have a style now and they stick to it regardless if it's working or not because that's the way they play. Like, Nielsen said it at the end of the season when Gordon made that fuck up against the Johnston and he goes, this is the way we're expecting to play, so these things are going to happen. I was like, if these things happen every game, start costing us points. There's no way we should be playing fucking football because we've obviously not got the players to play that system. Now, fortunately, it's not really cost that, and that's the only big one I can think of that's properly cost us. Um, Kelly away, I wouldn't really put that on that that way of playing. I just the, the weather just told, the weather and that terrible pitch just just screwed us for that goal. But yeah, I, I think it's a, I don't think it's just a hearts thing. I think it's a wider football thing because managers now have a system that they play and they refuse to deviate from it regardless of if it's actually working or not. I mean, listen, to Hibs fans now with Johnson, the same thing. There's six. Six defeats in seven, and they're still playing the same way, and it's obviously not working. Hearts are the same with Nielsen, fortunately, because we have better players than most of our teams in the league. It does work um, nine times out of ten, but no, Rangers weren't falling for it. They were just fucking easy. I mean, I think in like in normal circumstances, I think Rangers really got sucked into that. I think they absolutely would have, but then the risk is at Ibrox is if Rangers do manage to get the ball off you one time up there, it's a goal. Like that's they're they're no missing a chance like that. So I, I think it is tactical. I think they were just panicking. Like they, they tried, you know, they played two or three balls out, hope that Rangers come charging up the field, poof the ball on at the top. Rangers went biting, and it resulted in them just going, "What what are we doing with this?" and just passing it between them. Um, and then Rangers just wait for you to make a mistake and pounce, and that was yeah. But they should have changed that. You're right. That that's part of the problem. But I think that's a football thing. Now managers just seem to have this whole I play my way of football and other like. But like you say, you should have a plan A, B, C, or D because if you keep getting caught out playing a certain way, then it's not going to work. Yeah, certainly frustrating anyway. Um, a frustrating afternoon uh, on Saturday there on uh, what was obviously a poignant weekend at Tynecastle, as, as it always is every single year. And obviously the minute silence and the tribute um, to the fallen, impeccably observed as, as always. Um in terms of the actual match itself, Calvin, obviously I'll start with you because I mean you, you were there. Um, a team that certainly, as you mentioned, didn't fall for uh, any hearts as nonsense. Um, a Livingston side that perhaps will certainly feel aggrieved that they didn't come away with three points. However, when you look at the overall picture, hearts missing a host of chances in the first half obviously going uh, down to 10 men, rightly or wrongly, I'm sure we'll discuss that. Um, do you feel that a draw was a fair result over the piece? I, I actually don't think it was, if I'm being honest. I think Hart's done enough to win the game. Um, I know it's it was a poor performance, the second half. First half, we had plenty of chances. I think it comes down, and I know we'll get into this overall, like, some of the some of the decisions on Saturday were insane. Like, the problem with Livy, and it's not, this isn't a gripe at Livy, I hate when people go, Livy, it's, you know, they should be in the league because of the way they play. Livy play the way they do, and they do it very well, very effectively, and there's nothing wrong with that. They, they've not got the budget of other teams, so the only way they're ever going to keep themselves in the league and get further up the table is playing the way they do. Um, you've got to take your hat off to Martindale on the way they set up. But if you score early against Livy, you win the game nine times out of ten because Livy aren't a team that come back into it. And I'm sorry, but that challenge for the goalkeeper on Devlin's a penalty. It's, it's, there's no debate. There's no, there's no question. 
How the referee doesn't see it in real time, I'll never know. How VAR doesn't then bring it up is beyond a nonsense. The goalkeeper doesn't get close to the ball. He just cleans Devlin out completely. You could argue it's possibly in a red card because he's not making any attempt to get the ball. Um, and, you know, you go 1-0 up and while you go down to 10 men or even the goalkeeper's on a book and he can't time waste for the majority of the second half either. It's, it's frustrating. I mean, we... We've done it to ourselves. Like when we didn't score in the first half, you always knew Livy will get their chance and they'll probably take their chance because that's just the way the way Livy are set up. Um, but there was so many incidents in that. There's so many handball, debatable handballs, but you're seeing them given in other games and no given in this one, and the refs no going to look at them. And I just thought it was a farce all around. That, that referee's never refereed the Premier League game in his life. Couldn't he keep up with play? He was miles behind play all game. He was too busy relying on VAR to tell him what to do, but never actually using VAR to go and check things. Um even for a goal, I mean, Martindale, I thought Martindale's um, sort of breakdown at the end of it. He's a guy I really like, David Martindale, actually. When you listen to him, he's, he's quite honest. Um, calls out his own team's feelings when he needs to be. And he was saying that, like, like there was, like, Hart, we should have had a penalty. There was several opportunities. But our goal shouldn't have stood either. Alan Forrest handballs, the, handles the ball as we're breaking away. And he controls the ball with his hand. Now, I'm not, I'm going to take it because we should have had a whole host of decisions go the other way in the game. But all round, that game, it was just a game absolutely ruined by shambolic refereeing. If we go to the penalty they got, yes, and by the letter of the law, that is a penalty, right? And it's a red card. I know people are saying it's not a red card because he got a shot away. It's a red card. He's, he's stopped him. He's the last man. He's not playing the ball. He's, he's got a full fist he's shut. But if you're going to give that, you're going to give 10 a game. I mean, how many times have they got the one on Janelli later, later on? He's got hands all over him. Every time Shank was in the box, a player's got his arms wrapped around him because that's just how defenders defend. It's the way it always has been. They're jostling in the box. But if Shanklin starts going down, by rights, it's a penalty. It's the same. I mean, Boy doesn't, um, what's his name? Newboy doesn't appeal for it. He just goes, it's just one of these things. Strikers and defenders just grapple with each other. That's all it was in the box. Still gets, still out muscles rolls. But if the ref's going to pull that back, to get a penalty, he has to buy rights every time a Livingston player grabs Shanklin in the box, pull that back and give a penalty as well. But he doesn't because it shouldn't be penalties because that's not how it's supposed to work. But if you're going to referee it to that letter of the law, then you need to give penalties every time players grapple at a corner or every time... I mean, the one on Ginelli was as much a penalty as the one that they were given. It's absolutely... And neither of them, in my opinion, are penalties. Like, I don't think you get you should be given either of them, but I just felt the ref just lost control of the game I almost feel he probably didn't give the forest handball for fear of a riot breaking out the way it was going um, yeah it was just poor it was a game I think Hart's done enough to win the game um, but Livy or Livy if you didn't take your chances early doors they'll, they will punish you eventually and that's, that's what they've done um, Gordon made a few really really important stops it was good to see him back to his sort of sort of best as well I thought defensively we were alright again Um just sort of like the cutting edge in the second half but then yeah I still feel three points I, I don't think Levy could have felt aggrieved if we won that game and I think I think it would have been a fair result overall certainly the way Hearts set up in the first half anyway they could easily have been a couple of goals up I, I guess the referee's day um, was probably compounded by the fact that he decided to take the knee and then every single player on the park, including the 20,000 in attendance, just looked at him and thought, what the, what the hell are you doing? Um, so I think it's clear that he maybe has refereed in the Premiership once, um, probably back during the times when they were actually doing the knee, 
and he's never been back since. Um, he looked like a little kid with a toy that he's playing with the first time, but he's never read the instructions. Um, bizarre performance, and I don't think we'll see him back anytime soon. Hopefully not. Anyway, if that's the standard refereeing coming through, God help us. Absolutely lost control of the game. In fact, he didn't lose control. He never had control of the game from the start. Um, certainly, VAR, I've actually always been an advocate of VAR, and I think it, it can work. But I think what it is doing is highlighting just how poor our referees are. And and until we get a better standard of referee, because let's remember, John Beaton was the one who was on VAR. So, and, and he's considered one of our top officials. I think he's he's absolutely useless. I've seen that during the week on Wednesday, to be fair, uh, Ibrox, but it, we've seen it throughout the years we've beaten. Absolutely useless. Yeah, he's doing VAR, and it takes him four or five minutes to uh, to make a decision. Um, really was baffling, and um, I've actually not seen the Forest goal um, back to, sorry, the Ginelli goal. I have seen it back, but I've never seen the handball, so I'll, I'll certainly take your word for, for that one. Um, Devlin, again, don't know how he doesn't give that at the time. I think that's a clear penalty. Everyone shouted for it, expected it to be um, sort of brought back, but again, wasn't even looked at. I think that falls at the feet of John Beaton there. Um, and then obviously Shankland as well. It's interesting you mentioned that one. I think we've we've spoke about it previously on, on the podcast is how he, he seems to be too honest. Um, I think that's when he got caught out. I, I remember the, the Fiorentina game in particular. Um, you know, they, they're bifills, they're the best at doing it, the Italians. He wasn't doing it enough. Even though he was getting wrestled, you think, throw yourself to the ground, you've got yourself a free kick, you can move further up the park. I think it's the exact same in the box. Go down. You know what I mean? I think the manager's got to be encouraging that. Absolutely go down. Didn't he try and be an honest Joe? Who cares about all that crap? Go down, make, give the referee a decision to make. If he says no, then, then fine, play on. But absolutely, we've got to be, I think, acuter in, in situations like that. I think if he throws himself to the ground, they, they might have even looked at it and Hearts might have got a penalty there. Um, Jamie, from what you've seen of the game, um, obviously, you're just going on the highlights, but what was kind of your overall thought of of the performance from what you've seen and the result itself and the significance of it? So I'll, I'll come in on the two goals, first of all. The the handball rule is obviously much, um, much maligned right now. And frankly, I thought in the English Premier League, if the ball hit a hand in the build-up to a goal, it was automatically disallowed. Didn't matter if it was natural position any of that crap it was like if it hit the hand and they score in the same passage of play it was it was disallowed and therefore I thought both goals should have been disallowed but clearly that that didn't um didn't happen so I have no idea what the what the handball rule is is anymore but I'm almost certain I've seen that in, interpreted down south of the border where uh, if it hits a hand it's automatically disallowed if it's in the same passage of play as for the result um I guess it's it's two points dropped ultimately. Um, at home, we're um, we're expected to win. That's something that that Nielsen himself actually said in the past. I think it was actually before the Rangers game, ironically, where we got pumped. But um, yeah, it's you know, as you say, you know what you're going to get from Livingston. And Calvin's right to say that um, if you don't get that kind of go ahead goal against Livingston, then you're you're always going to be in trouble. And as soon as I saw the Hearts were getting beat, I was I was thinking, oh shit, we, we could be in trouble now because um, you know Livy are, are a difficult team to break down at the best of times. Never mind when they've got something to hold on to. So um, I was 
obviously delighted to see um see the see the notification that uh, Janelli had equalized in, in stoppage time and I was waiting for a wee while to to make sure it was given before I was celebrating and that was something that I was reading in the papers today funnily enough was that uh, I think it was Toby Civic was saying that Janelli wasn't even celebrating because you know the, the VAR is taking the kind of the joy of celebrating out um out of out of players because they're they're scared that the goals are going to get chalked off and um you're right to to mention the referees Chris Sutton a man who I absolutely despise said I think it was about two or three years ago now that um you can talk about VAR and Scottish football but it's still going to be the same clowns that are that are um that are making these decisions and he's he's absolutely right Ian Maxwell came out and said it's going to be a Going to be a shambles. What sort of message does that send out? If the, I don't know what role is, uh, what role Maxwell's in now, but some SFA something is saying that it's going to be a shambles before we've even had it. And that that for me is is seriously damning. And I don't know if it's damning of our officials. I don't know if that's why he's come out and said that is because he doesn't rate our officials. But the technology has been proven down south to be um to be very effective and. Everybody's kind of going on about teething problems. Nielsen's saying that it's ho- hopefully we we get um we get it sorted and it's a bit quicker and get sort these teething problems while the the World Cup breaks on. Some of the decisions I'm seeing, it's not teething problems. It's just sheer fucking mental. Like how how the the Devon penalty, for example, how they've not given that. That's not teething problems. I just don't understand how that's that's just the absolutely baffling refereeing. The Hibs penalty, uh, well, sorry, the Kilmarnock penalty at Rugby Park against Hibs, don't think that's a penalty. The Aberdeen penalty against Hibs, don't think that's a penalty. VAR took four or five minutes to make that one at Pitodri against Hibs, and they still got the wrong decision. So these aren't teething problems. These are serious concerns about the technology that we've brought in. The Celtic goal at Fir Park, where we had the camera missed it. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> that, that just wouldn't happen in any other yeah. country. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, it's not teething problems when you don't when you've bought a bargain basement version of VAR, right? How many cameras do you think they have in Dingwall and at Far Park? Right, probably about three or four. The the actual the one with the forest one. The reason why I actually don't think it's given in the end is, and they showed this on Sports Scene. The Sports Scene had four or five different angles to it, but not a single one could you see that side of the forest properly. Right. And that's probably why it's not been given. Not because he doesn't like the handball, but because he can't see it, because there's not enough camera angles. And Hearts, Hibs, Celtic, Rangers, probably even Aberdeen, will have a lot more cameras than the rest of them. So when you're going to Dingwall or St Mirren or any of these places, they're not getting... I mean, they go against Motherwell you're talking about for Celtic, where they showed the offside. Is the one where they showed the offside from behind. Like, yeah, like, I don't want to feed into Celtic's rampant paranoia, because they're the most paranoid fans on the planet, but... I was getting a goal chopped off, and that's what they were coming up with. For it. I'd be going mental as well. There's no way they know. There's no way they can see with that. Um, and it's not like you say, it's the same clowns that were refereeing it in the first place, right? That are re-refereeing it. We've not went and hired a whole VAR team from down south who've used the technology for 10 years and that's just better standards of officials. Um, and we've not invested enough in it. Like you're we're using cheap. We've, Cheaped out on it. We went, oh, we better get VAR in because, you know, it was going to become a standard thing soon for top league, top flights throughout the world. And we've just cheaped out and this is this is the result. And and the thing's got, until we get full-time professional referees, it's going to be the same problems. Like, it's just a bit on the side for these guys. They make a decent living off it, but it's not their main job. They just make just a bit of cash in the, in the pocket for them. This is your actual job to get these things. And only would they be fitter and have a better standard because they're doing it full-time. But there's more on the line for them getting these decisions wrong. If that was your full time income and not just your your beer and fag money at the weekend, it's it'd be a lot more on it for them. 
Um, but like you say, beating how how we can watch a goalkeeper clean a player out, not even get close. I mean, the ball is miles away. It's it's absolutely insane. That's that's not a that's it's not a judgment call. That's not like handball. The handball rule, in fairness to referees, the handball rule isn't. It's overly complicated. But the goalkeeper cleaning out a player in the middle of the box, but getting near the ball isn't complicated. It's a penalty, and I can't. Right? It's not. It's not close. It's not. It's just is what it is. It's as clear cut decisions you'll see. I've not seen the Hibs one against Kelly, but I've heard it's a bit of a shocker as well. Um. But yeah, these are things. If you're if you're going to get this in, you have to start getting it right. And, We've seen it already with the Tony Watt one against the Motherwell where he got sent off and it got overturned on appeal. And if we've got VAR in and you start getting red cards overturned on appeal, say that has a ma- say that's the end of the season game, right? And Dundee United need a point to stay up. Where does that leave the SFA and the SPFL legally? If they've brought in VAR and done a decision cost Dundee United, and it's proven to be wrong afterwards, right? You can't turn around and say, oh, but the ref missed it, because the ref can't miss it. Because it's on video now. The ref has all the time in the like the biggest frustration is when they take four or five minutes and they still get the thing fucking wrong. Like, like Devon's one. Did they even go look at the Devon one, or did they just take ages to sort? Of, they were talking over the wee microphone for a while, but it was just a farce. It's honestly like, and it puts people off. Like, see, Janelli doesn't celebrate, and everyone like I've seen Hearts fans having a go at him, being like, "Oh, he's just moody." It's not like any any footballer in the world scores a ninety-seven minute equaliser. They're going to go off their tits. But he's, as soon as the ball was in, the referee was straight up to his wee headset. Janelli turns around to look for the offside flag just in case, looks around, sees the ref in his headset and goes, what's the fucking point? Like, and that was a farce as well. Like, I know you'd, you'd left Gordon, I ran, ran back in just to sort of see what was going on. And it was about four minutes. The boys at his wee headset. It's just that... Uh, and they still got the decision wrong in the end of that one. To our benefit this time, but it was still the wrong decision. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, it, it is an interesting one because, I mean... I kind of sort of um, came back in and I thought the game had just kicked off. I didn't actually realise that they were still reviewing it, how it took that long. Um, an absolute shambles. It's an interesting one, though, because... And I'll mention the, the home support here. And um, when... I don't know if you noticed when Livingston got their penalty and the referee went over to to look at VR, there was ironic cheers of as if Hearts were about to get something. Now, I, c- I can't really understand that if you're sitting watching the game of football, how you honestly think Hearts are about to get a penalty from something. Um, I don't, when I don't think thought it was going to be a penalty. I think Shanklin got his shirt pulled as he turned the boy and people yeah, that, thought that, that there was, was a chance. Yeah, that, that, that's never going to go to VAR anyway, is it? Let's be honest. But, no, but I, I, in fairness, I like I didn't, I didn't, just didn't have a clue what was going on because I, even though it's down my end the pitch, I didn't because the Levy players never appealed for it. Levy fans never appealed for this penalty. Nobody, nobody in the ground. And it was about two or three minutes after the incident happened. So when the ref suddenly goes to VAR, I'm going, what's actually? And the only thing I could think of at that point was, well, Shanklin's had his shirt tugged, but like they're not going to, you know, never going to send a player off for that. That just was, that would have been a nonsense. So I'm thinking, but the ref checked, he constantly was going to his ear the whole game. And I, I just thought he was just checking something. I, I had no idea it was a penalty because. See, there was no appeals, there was no shouts. Even Newboy didn't even turn around and throw his arms up at the ref. Like he just thought he'd fucked his chance. Yeah. Um, well, I think he, he did see something at the, the, the linesman, to be fair, because obviously I'm, I'm at that end of the ground. So I yeah. And to be honest with you, I kind of knew as soon as they, um, he stopped the game, I thought these are getting a penalty here. And I said that, I, I said to Spencer, I said, they'll get a penalty here. Um, I think it's been right away. 
people wouldn't realise, but it was that there was a fair bit of time in it lapsed yeah, between yeah. that. Happening. Oh, there was. Oh, yeah, yeah. There, there absolutely was. Maybe I'm just being overcritical. I don't know. But it kind of wound, wound me up a little bit. But um, interesting as well. The linesman I thought was absolutely feared to give anything. Um, yeah. And he, he's just as incompetent as as what um, the referee was because there was one as well. I think a couple of which kind of sort of forced me to leave earlier. Actually, it just pissed me off. Um, I think it was um, what's what's the guy's name? He used to play for Hibs. Um, middle of the park for Livingston. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, Omionga. Um, clearly dived right, right in front of the linesman. The referee gives a free kick. I can see why the referee's maybe giving it because he's he's behind play. But it's, you're standing right in front of you. You can see he's dived, and right away the linesman should go and don't dive, book him. But he, he just stands there and lets the referee. I mean, imagine Livingston had got a second. They nearly did, by the way, from that chance from the free kick into the box, and he, they nearly scored a second goal. And you almost think, what was the point of referee at linesman if they're not going to do their job? Um, half the time, you know, referee was given referees were given corners, and he wasn't even putting his flag up. Just it's just so amateurish. And um, and it really is putting people off. I think um, I think I read somewhere that um, I think it might be Barry Anderson possibly quote tweeted something, and uh, someone had said basically that, that fans were walking out because of the the way the the game was going in terms of the VAR, and it's it's putting people off watching football. I mean, as I say, I've been an advocate for VAR for a while. I think it can work, but Scottish football shoots itself in the foot constantly, and it's not even funny anymore. I mean, it could. We, we do think that Scottish football is a bit of parody. If you if you looked at Scottish football from the outside in, you would generally think that it was a comedy show. Um, but these things generally do happen. And it is just sheer amateur and incompetence. And Maxwell's comments, as, as we've said there as well, doesn't surprise me in the slightest. He's another one as well that doesn't have a clue, talks a good game. But again, everyone at the top of Scottish football, from Doncaster to Maxwell... To to all the way down to the head of the referees, I think is it still Hugh Dallas or is he maybe moved on now? Um, Crawford Allen or something. Is it Crawford, not? Exa- Crawford Allen, exactly. Crawford Allen was a useless bastard of a referee. Yet somehow he's now in charge of of the whole refereeing division. It, that sums it right up there. Um, absolute baffling, and it, and it does frustrate you. But um, I guess it is what it is. There's nothing we could do about it now. Hopefully, maybe one day we might get the salvation of a decent referee uh, where you think, oh, it's such and such who's refereeing us today. It should be a pretty good game, but I guess it's one of those things. Um, winter break now, I mean, not the greatest game to obviously um, end this kind of first half of the season off with. Of course, everybody wanted three points, and if we had got three points, we'd, be, we'd only have been two points off third, but uh, it's four, I think, is it? Uh, am I right? Is it five? Four or five points? Four. four. Yeah, I did think that. Um, so, yeah, so four points off third. I suppose in the grand scheme of things, we we, we would have taken it. But in terms of the entire... I mean, we'll, we're going to have a podcast and we're going to kind of review the whole first half of the season, so I don't want to go too much into it. But in terms of where Hearts are sitting at the moment, four points off third, are you quite content with that, Jamie? Would you even go as far as saying happy? Yeah, I think content probably because, as you say, I'm one three points on Saturday there, um, which obviously would have would have meant that we were two points behind Aberdeen, um, who are obviously in third. So 
I think with the injuries, uh, obviously that's it's, it's not an excuse. It's just a, a, a an observation, if you like, that I think with the injuries that we've had all in kind of key areas and key players that we've lost, we speak about recruitment and all that, fine. But to have lost, you know, all three of our centre-halves or something in the first kind of half of the season, I do think is pretty unlucky. Um, I think there's certain... We, we, don't get me wrong, we needed some of these results that, that we've got or else it could have been a lot worse. So, like, the the game against Motherwell, the equaliser, you know, these are could be crucial points come... Um, come the end of the season. And it just means that, yeah, we are still in touch. You know, Nielsen was asked, we said we, with the European, you know, we knew October was going to be a tough month and all that. We wanted to still be in touch. And that's what we are. So he said, yeah, fine. You know, we, we know there's stuff we can we can do better. And I think the thing is now, Hearts need to kick on after the break, obviously. We need to hit the ground running. We've got a chase on, got a chase Aberdeen, make up the four points as quickly as possible. They'll obviously have to, have to come to Tynecastle pretty soon. I would fancy us at home against Aberdeen because their away record is not impressive at all. And I think that's why Aberdeen aren't good enough to come third for me. I don't I don't think their away record is um is consistent enough um to come third. So I'm I'm content would be the word, yeah. I am and still confident that if uh, if Hearts come back firing after the World Cup break and hopefully our Aussies all go away and do well and come back injury free, then Hearts will will kick on to to finish third. Yeah, Kilmarnock, St Mirren, Dundee United, uh, St Johnston, and then Hibs. Um, that's a run of fixtures that you would look at and you would think we should actually be winning every single one of those games, um, particularly when the the, va- the the vast majority of them are, are at home, of course. Um, in terms of the start, Calvin, of course, I mean, you would imagine that we'll hopefully have um, virtually all our injured players back bar boys. I mean, I don't know where, how far along Beningame is. I mean, we were told that he would be back for the start of the, the, the World Cup break. I don't know if he's had um, any issues in his rehab. Unfortunately, we don't know anything about that. It'd be great if he was back by that, but if if not, it is what it is. Um, but at least Stephen Kingsley Halkett should be back, and obviously the three Australians as well um, come back injury-free. You would expect that, and Hope Humphreys as well is another one you would expect to hopefully be chomping at the bit. It is a decent run of fixtures for Hearts to really get a stranglehold, and, and before they even go to Tannadice, they could be sitting third. I think that's exactly where we should be. Um, I think, well, yeah, I said at the start of the season, before we got an entire back line injured, that if we were within six points of third at the World Cup, we would finish third, and we've, we've got there. What I hadn't really looked at is how brutal our fixtures were. Like we played the old firm more than any of our, of our rivals. We've had to go away to Pataudry, we've had to go away at Easter Road. Um if you include Hibs has still been the one I still think Hibs will pick up. They're obviously on a, a terrible run now. Um but if you consider that, we've got them both to play at home very soon. We'll have them both at home after the split. We don't have to go to Glasgow again till mid-February. We've only got to play the old firm once each before the split as well, whereas our rivals have to play them twice each. Um, that run of fixtures, I've been saying it for ages, the, the run of fixtures we have now, Levy was disappointed. The, only, the thing is, obviously we've had some poor results against the old firm and getting beat at Pataudry wasn't ideal. But the only real shocker of a result I could say this season, aside from maybe Saturday there, because you expect three points at home against everybody, was the 1-0 defeat at Levy. I mean, even Kelly, Kelly away is not a ground we particularly do well at and to fight back for 2-0 down to get what could be could be a really crucial point. Going up to Dingwall and winning is massive because Aberdeen didn't. Um, Aber- as Jamie said, this is where I, I think Aberdeen's major downfall is going to come is they're obviously solid enough to Taudry, but 
their away form is atrocious. We went to Fur Park, took three points, went to Dingwall, taking three points, um, went to Kelly, got a point, went Easter Road, taking a point, should have been three, but we'll no, we'll no delve into that. Answers to go to Tannadice and win. Aberdeen got absolutely scurried with Tannadice. We seem to be, have a bit of a thing up there at the moment. Two wins out of three attempts last year. Couldn't one and a draw, but it should have been a win if we hadn't got the entire team injured in the first 20 minutes of the game. Um, that The run over Christmas, I, like the World Cups came at a perfect time for us. We needed it. We really need the break. The players have got due back. Should see us okay. You've seen it against the mother. I mean, the Motherwell last, last Sunday was huge. Um, especially Going out to 10 men. That that proves my point. I'm saying is we've got better players than most teams. We do have the third best squad in the league. It's not even close, right? Aberdeen are doing okay because their home form's brilliant, but man for man, they're no close. They don't they don't go down to 10 men against Motherwell, get pegged back to two on win the game. They don't go down to 10 men against Levy and score in the 97th minute. They don't go two 0 down at Kelly with 15 minutes to go and get a point. They don't go up to Dingwall and win with half their team out injured. So when we've got a full strength team, we've got a run of very good fixtures because we've had a run of shit fixtures, man. Like seems like we're playing, it seems like we're playing the old farm every second game at one point. Um, the fact that Motherwell at home there was our first non-old farm game at home since August sums up how shit a run of fixtures we've had. Um, I think it puts us in a good a good position. I, I would take it if you'd offered me this a month ago, four points off third going to the World Cup, I'd absolutely ripped your hand off for it. So I, th- I think we'll be okay. And we can spend in January. That's the other thing. We've got money to spend yeah. and our teams don't. Yeah. That, that, that absolutely will be key. And it is, it is interesting and, and almost laughable when you actually go through and, and look at our fixtures. I mean, we've not even reached December yet. And I mean, I know there's obviously the World Cup break ordinarily, but even then, to have played Celtic and Rangers four times before the new year is actually quite ridiculous. Like, um, I, I feel like I've barely been at Time Castle this season in the league. We mm-hmm. seem to be away, like, we seem to be away from home after every European game. Yeah, we virtually were pretty much away from home. I and mean, we looked at that October and it did look scarily. It's funny you mentioned um, Aberdeen, though, not coming back. I think it was against Livingston. They actually did go down to 10 men against Livingston. And I'm sure they lost 3-1. They got scudded anyway. Um, so maybe it shows you just how much character is in this Hearts team and maybe we weren't giving them enough credit. But um, big second half of the season anyway coming up for Hearts. And it is a, a really good run of fixtures. I think um, obviously Kelly are a bit of a bogey team though, um, but I'd still fancy Hearts to take care of them. Certainly a, a re, rejuvenated Hearts side as well. Um, St Mirren as well seem to be doing well, but again, you know we we beat them four times last season. You'd very much fancy us to to go in and and beat them as well. Um, so interesting and and plenty to look forward to. We'll delve and we'll go deep into it in our kind of mid season review as well coming up. Uh, we'll do that at the start of December. Uh, obviously, got a few weeks off before then. Um, I, I guess I'll ask because it is going to be what everybody's talking about. Um, who's your picks for the World Cup? Yeah, can't say I've uh, can't say I'm too bothered. Um, they got Argentina and Portugal actually in the family sweepstake. Um, that's the only one I've drawn so far. Um, I think I might put the put the money on Brazil now because I was drawn between Brazil and Argentina. So now that I've got Argentina in the sweep, I think uh, I think the Brazilian tournament favourites. I know it's pretty boring, but I think the heat is the big thing for me, and I think uh, that'll suit a South American team. Don't fancy England. Don't fancy Germany. France seem to be all over the place off the field. Um, young Spanish squad might do quite well, but South American team for me. Yeah, but we said this in twenty fourteen, didn't we? And look what happened. The Germans went. And- Went and won it. 
I, I don't rate. I just don't rate the South American teams anymore. I, I just don't think they're technically as good as the European teams are. I don't think they're street smart as as what the European teams are. And one of them might go far. I think maybe Argentina, to be fair, but um, I think both of them will end up going out of the quarterfinal stages. I don't rate necessarily them. I think it's Belgium's year. I'm telling you, I've, I think they've they've been getting closer and closer. And if they can get Big Romelu back, get him in the starting eleven, him and De Bruyne linking up. It could it could be their year. Um, England, they might not be far away. By the way, um, I think they're getting closer and closer to a tournament win. Sadly, um, I think that, I think they may just fall short though, just given some of their injuries and and kind of form of uh, some of their players as well at the moment it hasn't been great. I think if it's a summer tournament, it may be a bit different, but um, I think they could struggle. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going with the Belgians. I, I do. I think Spain could be a, a wee dark horse and. Never write off the Portuguese, but yeah, I'm going for the Belgians. I think it'll be a, a left field winner this year. What about you, Calvin? What are you thinking? I fancy Spain. I've not given it as much thought as I normally do. I can't say I'm that enthusiastic about this World Cup. I still watch every game because it's a World Cup and stuff, but I think the Spanish have got quite a strong squad. I would have had the French for it, but I just don't understand about the French. They'd probably argue about the strongest squad, but they've got a very high tendency to just implode when they're expected to do something. Germany aren't good enough. England on paper are good enough, but they'll not do it. I think Southgate's almost lost the dressing room with them. Um, Belgium are obviously, I don't know if they're tournament, but if they're favourites or the second favourites, well, they'll be high odds to, to do it. No way in there. No way in there. I would be surprised yeah. at that. Um, I think I agree with you, the South American sides. I could, I could think my Argentina is, you know, Messi's last ever World Cup or that, who had it goes with it. The, you know, it's football's football, but. I don't think they're technically good enough to to win it. I'm going to go with Spain. I'm going to stick my prediction. Spain. Hmm. Well, we'll see who's laughing uh, after the World Cup break. Anyway, gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. Uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, as I said, we'll be, we'll, all of us will be back for the, the mid-season review. Um, I'm sure that'll be a tasty affair, just as tasty as the end-of-season one was. Um so we'll, we'll certainly look forward to that one and uh, hopefully it's a quick four weeks and uh, as much as they have annoyed us over the last seven days weekends aren't the same without them so thanks very much gents it's been a pleasure